Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Creative Control with Vish on this episode, Matt Anderson joins me for a conversation about his life and his work and his new album, Weightless, and also some of the 300,000 music festivals he's playing over the next few weeks. And I gotta say, I don't know that much about Matt. I, you know, I've seen him kind of incidentally at a music festival in Guelph called the Hillside Festival, which he's playing again July 25th. But otherwise, I just, I don't know, I just don't know that much about him. So I just asked him some pretty straight up questions about his life and work, and here it is. This is just me and him talking. You're also going to hear the title track from his new album, Weightless. Um, oh, my cat Gary makes a brief appearance. He just wants out. He just wants out of the house. Otherwise, pretty normal show. Here it is, myself, Matt Anderson, and my cat Gary. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario a proud, independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. Its gourmet panzerati, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza, the pizza. Personally, I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio? Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Drift away from your worry. Drift away 
let go and drift away. Matt Anderson has earned a reputation for being one of the most powerful live soul and rock performers of his generation. The New Brunswick native has released seven albums and toured the world over, quietly gaining an army of loyal fans who gravitate to his rumbling voice, accomplished guitar playing, and vivid lyricism. Though he's impressed audiences on his own, his latest album is boldly produced by Los Lobos' Steve Berlin and features fully fleshed out arrangements that his touring band, The Melatones, have been bringing to life over the past few months at headlining shows and opening tour dates for Buddy Guy and Los Lobos, among others. This latest batch of songs also features songwriting collaborations with Joel Plaskett, David Miles, Tom Wilson, Dave Gunning, and Keith Mullins, among others. Anderson's new album is called Weightless. It's out now via True North Records, and it brings Anderson to music festivals across Canada in the coming weeks, including Guelph's Hillside Festival on July 25th. Here to discuss this further is Matt Anderson. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm very well. Where in the world are you, Matt? I am in Ottawa right now. Ottawa, Ontario. That's the nation's capital. Are you aware of that, Matt? I am aware of that, yes. <laughs> What's it like in Ottawa? Uh, it's pretty gorgeous out here today. Playing a show in uh, Perth, Ontario tomorrow night. So just uh, doing some running around and getting some stuff done before we head in there. So. Now, where do, where do you play in Ottawa? Where does a guy like you play in Ottawa? Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we played the um, played the Blues Fest. And uh, back in uh, February, I played a show at the NAC. Oh, okay, cool. That's the National Arts Centre? It is, yeah. Oh, I got that right. I'm not I'm not always the best with acronyms, Matt. That's all right. <laughs> now, I want to ask you about Waitlist. It features many collaborations. Uh, you, As I mentioned, you worked with Steve Berlin. I'm curious what prompted these choices for you. Um, Steve was suggested by my manager, and um, you know, I'd, I'd heard Steve's name a lot, but never actually looked into what he'd done, and then I you know, started to look up what he worked on. You know, I realized I had a whole bunch of his albums in my, that he produced in my, uh, my collection at home, so it was uh, really cool to work with him. And then uh, as far as the songwriting collaborations, you know, it's, it's people I've wanted to work with for a long time, you know, some really good friends of mine that uh, you know, always have those conversations, you know, let's try and write sometime, they, you know, it kind of just blows over, but uh, actually made a point of getting in there and hooking up, so it was great, you know, it was really relaxing. You know, like Dave Gunning came to my house, we just hung out a bit and, you know, had a nice supper and wrote a couple songs, and... You know, I visited Tom, Tom Wilson and Susie Binnick on the same day. I just kind of drove around and, you know, just kind of kept it pretty relaxed. It was really nice. There was none of that awkward trying to get to know each other before you play. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Right. Now, you knew Steve's work. I understand you were a big fan of the Tragically Hip album Phantom Power, which Steve produced, but you didn't even know he'd produced it. Yeah, no, it was, production wasn't something I really paid a lot, attention to a lot when I was younger. So, you know, I've, I've always been, uh, you know, I've always loved that album by the hip. And, uh, you know, I love the sounds on it for sure. It was really cool to find out that Steve worked on that one. Did you pick his brain about that record at all when you began working together? Uh, no, I didn't. No, you know, we kind of uh, just um, dove right into my stuff, I guess. You know, I mean, probably I'll ask him about it sometime, but uh, just focused on, uh, on getting my stuff done when we worked together. Okay, I just was curious, because that, that record has... Uh, maybe not as much as Day for Night, but that record has a, a certain sonic kind of presence. Like there, there's like a there's something going on in the sound of Phantom Power, and I wondered if you were like you know sometimes when you take a record in to get mastered, in particular, the mastering engineer will ask you to bring like a reference record. Have you ever had that? Um, no, no. I mean, <laughs> until I worked with a master engineer, there's lots of back and forth. You know, and that's basically kind of figure each other out what the artist is looking for. I think, but. Uh, Never actually said I want to sound like this album. You know, I've always just kind of let them uh, let them do their thing. You know, if you want to change something, you let them know. Maybe I've been working with the wrong mastering engineers. 
<laughs> they uh, they always suggest I bring a reference record in, and I say, oh, we we've always uh-huh. done it. But yeah, anyway, so so Phantom Power is just a, one of many records that Steve's made that you're just a fan of, and, and it may be just it's almost happenstance that you discover that he worked on it. Yeah, pretty much. It was just it was all kind of just um, you know all found it out after the fact. Really, you know, the more the more I dug into it, the more I get excited about working with him. Right now, Plaskett, uh, among the people you work with, Joel Plaskett, and I understand that. Joel, from what I've, I'm a huge fan of Joel's. I've followed his career since I was a kid, and he was a kid back in Thrush Rumored and whatnot. But he is pretty good at isolating hooks, and then more so in his solo stuff. He's he gets fixated, I think, on like certain words and how catchy and infectious they might be if he kind of phrases them a certain way. Uh, the songs you worked with with Joel, did you discover that about him? I definitely found the writing with Joel, you know, he's always got the hook kind of idea in his head, you know, his, his theories, you know, you can never have too many hooks in a song. And uh, so I definitely found that with writing with him, but I really liked writing with Joel. His turn of phrase is really cool. You know, the songs I wrote with Joel, I can hear his, uh, definitely hear his influence in, in the lyrics especially. So what are the songs you actually wrote for Joel, wrote with Joel on Waitlist? We wrote um, My Last Day and um, uh, I Lost My Way. Day and Way. So did he come up with... That's a thing sometimes he does, like kind of alliterative. That's not alliterative, but he kind of, he does have little rhymes, little things like that. Did, were they were those his ideas, and then you kind of fleshed them out? Uh, no, those were both ideas that I brought to the table that ended up rhyming, I guess, really. Was anything intentional there? Right. And and so this kind of collaboration with other people, I mean, you've done records with other people external, like, you know, you've made records with people that you don't normally work with, but is this the most you've sort of sought outside help um the most i've worked with some um, other people on an album uh, for sure i've uh, i've got two albums i've done with mike stevens that were all co-writes right and uh, quite a bit on coal mining blues when i did that album this is the first time i've done you know co-writes for every song i did it on purpose too and i i'm only able to write you know when i get off the road i'm on the road pretty steady so uh i find if i write too close to each other you know if i try to write a whole bunch of songs in one week i can end up uh ripping myself off a little bit you know you start to uh kind of copy yourself a little bit. So I just wanted to uh, make sure I avoided that and, you know, get the best songs I could, too. So that's why I reached out to some uh, some other people. Okay, so you were you finding you were, like, too much in your own head and you just needed someone else's point of view? Uh, no, just sometimes I know that can happen. So, you know, I, I decided to uh, avoid that altogether. And, you know, it's people I wanted to write with for a while, too. So I just want to make sure we had the... Uh, didn't run into that problem, you know, and we totally worked out, you know, nobody, um, you know, all the different influences, you know, they brought their own, uh, their own flavors into the songs. And now you used to play in a band, right? Like you had a, um, like, yeah, I haven't done a band, an actual like you know touring band, but with me for probably seven or eight years. You know, I had one tour I took a band out on, but other than that, I've pretty much just done solo for the last uh, the last few years. So this whole thing with Melotones is uh, you know is a big change for me, especially working with ten people on stage. Yeah, but when you the, before you went solo, you were in a band, right? Isn't that right? Uh yep. I was in a band called uh, Flat Top. That was probably you know ten or twelve years ago. Right, and do you miss the experience of like you obviously probably went solo for a reason? You know, being in a band can be great, but it can also be trying. It sound to me with Weightless and sort of surrounding yourself with people constantly and collaborating with people. It's sort of getting and now you know, and, and this led to a fully fleshed out album, which has subsequently led to you forming a touring band in the Melatones. All of this seems to suggest that maybe you were longing for that band dynamic or that collaborative dynamic? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always liked it, but I mean, if I had to choose probably between one or the other, I'd probably stay in the solo stuff. You know, I've done, 
pretty close to a couple hundred shows a year for the last seven or eight years and, and done pretty much all of them solo and it's um you know i'm most comfortable in that kind of thing but um you know after a while i just want to change it up a bit you know i don't know if i'd want to switch over to a you know a touring band full-time or not i don't know if that's where i want to go or not but uh it's kind of nice to be able to switch back and forth like this now why do you, why would you say you prefer the solo is it the control is it the because when you have a band you never know what's going to happen on some level there's always someone Something can happen. Someone will add something that maybe was unexpected. Solo, you have complete control. You're in. You're in charge. Is that what it is? Uh no. I guess I'm just. Um, I I kind of like music. You know, I really like, enjoy the um, the interaction. You know, when you're a solo performer on stage, I kind of like that vibe of. Uh, you know, so I grew up listening to music because I was just a couple of guys in a kitchen kind of thing. It wasn't uh, wasn't always this big production. You know, and I love doing that too. You know, I love having a band. I have a lot of fun with it, and uh, I would never say I'll never do it again or anything like that because I absolutely love it. But. Um, I'm really happy now that I can kind of have a try and find a balance between the band stuff and the solo stuff. You know, it's just a different vibe on stage when you're uh, just a solo guy with the car. I find a little more intimate, a little more personal with the audience. Yeah, I mean, I think some people, when they heard you were bringing a band to a festival like Hillside, I mean, they're used to seeing you kind of really. You 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 have a very powerful presence on stage, and you really take over. You take over the the atmosphere, uh, and I think some people were wondering what a band dynamic would do to that. Have you had? And you've done so. How many? Are you mostly playing solo? This tour you're on right now. Are you playing solo? Or are you with the Melatones? Um, I'm solo tomorrow night, but then uh, I don't know the, the, the Melatones again for next week. We do, um, we do uh, Hillside, then we play Calgary Folk Fest, and then uh, I've got a solo show and uh, actually a duo show in um, in uh, Regina, then down to a few solo shows in the states again after that. So it's just kind of been back and forth. We just wrapped up. Uh, Ottawa Blues, uh, Montreal Jazz Fest, and Festival de Tay, and uh, and Quebec in Ottawa. So it was uh, it's kind of cool, like I said, you know, getting that mixed up back and forth. So when you're alternating nights when you're on a tour, what does your band do? If you're like uh, I'm doing this one by myself, what do they they just go and make trouble um, in the city? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, we played a gig in uh, Montreal Jazz, and I, I had a gig in Vermont, so I drove down there by myself, and then uh, met up with them in Quebec City after. So they just you know they enjoyed the day off, and uh, <laughs> I hooked back up for another uh, another show. Works well for them. Yeah, I think so. They seem to be happy. <laughs> now, you say you like the idea of switching between the two. Have you had much reception? Like, have you received a sort of uh, reception from people who followed your career to give you a sense of either which one they prefer or like, holy cow, you got a band now. It sounds amazing. Like, have you been getting feedback like that? Yeah, we, we, I get them both. You know, some people, you know, they don't hate the band, but they, they're, you know, they have prefer the solo show. And some people are you know, really excited about having the band thing. It's a really different. Uh, it's it's almost a different show altogether, you know. It's still up me up there with my song, but it's you know it's it's a much more uh, uh, it's pretty intense, you know. There's ten, ten of us up on stage. There's you know four horns and two guitar players with me and bass and keys and drums and backup singers. So it's uh, it's pretty elaborate, really, for me as far as how I usually tour. So uh, yeah, a lot of people was really seem to be digging it. We got some really great reviews out of Ottawa Blues Fest, and um, yeah, I think it's I think people are happy. You know, I don't think they want to see it one or the other way or the other either. You know, I think they're happy to kind of see the see the two of the things going on right now you're from new brunswick where exactly are you from in new brunswick a town called perth andover perth andover now what was it like growing up uh, there a uh, pretty small town you know music was a big part of uh home life for us for sure you know lots of family played and a uh, big source of entertainment just a small town of about uh, 1800 people 1500 people i think and uh yeah just a country kid Nothing is it is too it elaborate there really is it near fredericton or moncton or something it's about halfway between Edmonton and Fredericton, okay. right in the middle. Okay, all right. And so you say you, you had a, a musical family. What exactly got you into music? Um, that was it. You know, my, my grandfather played fiddle, and mom played and sang uh, piano, and uh, lots of cousins played. And 
every time my grandfather, you know, or anybody had a birthday party, there was always music. And my grandfather's 80th birthday party, we probably had, you know, 10 or 15 fiddle players and a couple of piano players and all kinds of guitars and singers and that kind of stuff. It was always uh, always a constant when the family got together. Hmm. Now, I'm going to show my sort of, I guess, non-maritimer ignorance, but there is this sort of perception that the music you're describing is kind of fits within almost a stereotype of what goes on in the Maritimes when families get together and play music. Kind of like, it sounds um, like maybe a Celtic influence yeah, or something. Uh, not so much Celtic influence where I was, no, more of the, uh, more of the Acadian stuff is where I come from, you know, lots of, like Ivan Hicks and uh, Graham Towns and that kind of stuff, if that means anything to you. And, right. um, and uh, that was more the kind of stuff I grew up on. Lots of, lots of gospel too. Yeah, so it was uh, just kind of that, but it was just more like the music was always, you know, my cousins and I got together. We definitely played different songs, and we played lots of Stone Temple Pilots or whatever. But music was always, uh, well, music was always something that was going on, whether it was you know the older generation, or the younger generation's music. So, would you play a Stone Temple Pilots song in the middle of like one of these family jams? Um, well, it depends which family was around. You know, if my grandfather was playing fiddle tunes, I probably wouldn't pull out STP. But um, <laughs> well, just my cousins and I, we, we, we'd play whatever, you know, whatever we were listening to at the time. So. And so, what were some of the things that first got you into music? Who were some of the people you listened to? Uh, a lot of early stuff for me was um, lots of classic country in the house, lots of Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson, that kind of stuff. And then uh, a lot of classic rock, really, was, you know, CCR is a big one for me. Um, Eric Clapton's Unplugged album, I listened to a lot. Um, but just like, you know, Steve Miller. Pretty Stevie like King, whatever was remember my brothers had an air tape collection really. So pretty pretty like uh pretty like soulful, powerful stuff. Yeah, you know, I definitely I never really got into um much pop music when I was a kid, even you know, I remember, you know, all my friends being the new kids on the block and that kind of stuff and that never really struck much of a chord with me. <laughs> I got in trouble all the kids well, mostly the young girls, like in grade eight, they all were trying to I was a Beatles fan, which made me a pariah. They all love New Kids right. on the Block, and they—they they, just me liking the Beatles made it adversarial. They were trying to convince me that that New Kids on the Block band was better than the Beatles. Yeah, no, I mean you—you you, you know that. I don't think that ever stops happening. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's a, it was a weird thing, and now those people have kind of come around to my way of thinking. And I'm sure right. some of the people you grew up with would be like, you know what? I thought about it. CCR might be better than New Kids on the Block. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of people who. Um, yeah, I think they had some some embarrassing tapes in their collection. No <laughs> I'm not excluding myself from that too, but I'm just saying. Now, you have been associated with the blues. You've won blues awards. Uh, you've toured with people like Buddy Guy and and uh, and Bo Diddley, I suppose. I mean, you have this association with the blues. I get the impression you're somewhat uneasy with being sort of noted as a blues artist. Is that right? Um, yeah, and it's not something that I call myself, you know, it's definitely a huge influence in what I do, but, um, I would never, you know, say to somebody, I'm strictly a blues player, because, I mean, if it's somebody who just wants to hear blues music, they aren't going to really dig what I'm doing. Some of them they will, you know, some of it's absolutely just straight ahead blues stuff, but, um, there's a lot of other things in there, so I just try to you know, make sure I'm not putting out the wrong impression there. If, you know, if people are looking for a blues artist, they probably, you know, they'll enjoy what I do, but if, not, if they're looking for, you know, a hardcore blues act, that, that's not me by any means. So where do you suppose this perception came from? Um, I think just people want to have something they can uh, latch onto it. You know, I mean, I've got a lot of different influences, lots of country, lots of folk, and lots of classic rock and blues stuff in there. And um, and I think a lot of people just, uh, you know, the blues was the most predominant one. I think my voice kind of lends a lot more to the uh, the blues side of things or the soul side of things. So I think it's just, you know, that's people wanting to put a put a label on something. So yeah, like the soul thing, I understand. I I consider you a soul or rock singer. Is that right? Does that seem more appropriate? 
Yeah, when people ask me what I play, I usually play roots and soul. You know, it's acoustic soul kind of kind of thing is what I push people towards. Yeah, and I mean, some of this blues stuff, it's kind of out of your control. I don't know if you entered these contests or how it worked, but you just seem to have won a number of blues awards, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not because you was it just like yeah I'll enter were they like contests how does it work how do you how do you end up winning well you know like like award stuff I mean when it comes to my music too I mean it's it's one of the most you know until the last album but even even still there is one of the most predominant um, genres that people would pick out of it so I mean you know I'm not going to fit the pop category the country category the rock category so when you start to you know chip that stuff away blues was usually you know is the one that appealed to me the most or applied to me the most I guess I would say do you suppose that it's partially that people in this country in particular are looking for a new leader in terms of blues and and you're kind of fitting the bill right now um you know i don't think people i mean i find a lot of my fans are you know they're music fans you know i mean they a lot of them are you know strict blues fans but that the genre's opened up so wide you know from when it used to be um what people preceding as blues i think and uh it, it's just opened up so much I mean, you guys like harry manx you know i mean called blues players and uh you know and kevin Moe and that kind of stuff you know they're definitely a huge influence from the blues but um you know, it, it's, it's so far from uh, you know, the Chicago Blues or something like that. You know, it's not Helen Wolf or it's not, it's not even like, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of stuff. Right. Okay. So you, and, and in terms of heroes that you might have who could be called blues artists, are there any you can cite? Yeah, Taj Mahal is a big one for me. Uh, Sonny Terry and Brandon McGee are guys I've always really liked. Um, Rob Buchanan was a big one for me. Yeah, there's all, all kinds of guys, you know, I love like Albert King and Freddie King, all those guys are... Um, you know, you are a huge inspiration as far as, you know, I just love the... I guess what drove me the most of the blues was the delivery and the passion behind it. So that's something I think uh, a lot of people kind of connect with as well. Okay, so it's not like you're not a big Charlie Patton fan necessarily. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've never actually been one to really study music as far as, like, you know, some guys can list off songs and albums and that kind of stuff. That's not really ever been something I've uh, been able to do. You know, I've heard Charlie Patton, you know, I've always dug it, but I, I don't have any of his albums or anything like that. So it's just kind of, I don't know, I've always just kind of never been one of those people who um, recites stuff they've listened to or been influenced by. Right. Speaking of the blues, Matt, can you give me a second? I don't know if you can hear him. My cat Gary really wants to go outside. He's been no inside problem. all day. Do you mind just giving me one quick second? I think, I yeah, think no he, he's got the cat blues. That's what it is. Just one second. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. You can get out. Jeez Louise. Sorry, it's been pretty rainy all day, and he, I think he just stayed in the house. And then I just, are you, do you got, you got a pet? You got, a, are you an animal guy? Uh, we had a dog there for a while, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. He's, but the, yeah, no, I totally get you. No longer around? Oh, no, no, the girlfriend's not around, so the dog went with her. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a, that is a blues song right there, isn't it, I think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, your website is stubbyfingers.ca, which I think is yeah. pretty funny. Uh, I also understand that, uh, you're a little self-conscious about, not self-conscious about your guitar playing, but you're a little taken aback by how much attention your guitar playing has gotten. Is that right? Um, I've gotten called. Yeah, we had a. Re- it wasn't an interview. It was. Um, you know, I was on stage with uh, with Jessica Ray and Dave Gunning in the UK, and uh, Jessica introduced me. I was more of a friendly gesture, saying, "You know, Canada's greatest guitarist," kind of thing, and. Um, and then uh, the New York or the London Times, you know, quoted her on that. And then it started looking, it got put out there as a, a, a quote from the London Times, you know, I'm Canada's greatest guitar player. And I just, I, I by no means am Canada's greatest guitar player. I know I have uh, 
dozens of friends, you know, that can play circles around me. So it's that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I don't, I know I'm thrilled when people, you know, like my guitar playing, you know, to get the compliments, but I, I don't, I definitely don't uh, toot my own horn when it comes to the guitar, that's for sure. So is this stubby fingers, that's, that, that's a play on that? You kind of, you feel like you got clumsy fingers or what does that mean? Stubbyfingers.ca was, um, Stubbyfingers was the first band I was in, me and another guy we did a duo, and we both had little chubby hands, so we figured it was good. It was just a pub name, really, that we, you know, choose for playing bars and that kind of stuff. And, oh, okay. Um, and uh, I've always liked it, and it was, you know, a good time, and as far as playing music, I really enjoyed it, so I just decided to hang on to the name for the website. So, it seems to me that you're in a position where a lot of external things have been applied to you that you don't necessarily agree with, but you're kind of dealing with them, like the blues thing, the guitar guitar playing thing does this stuff kind of get on, get on your nerves a little bit or are you just dealing with it no i mean it's, it's just 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 play i mean i just focus on playing music you, know, you can get caught up in what people call you a lot and i think that'd be a waste of energy really so i'd rather just just play music you know and people figure it out as, as it goes on you know if they come to see a blue show and don't dig it. hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. And that's fine if they come to see a blue show and still like what I do, then that's great too. You know, there's no point in. Uh, I don't think what matters, it really matters what you call yourself. You're going to get your music fans for you, not for uh, what you've been labeled. So, right. I don't worry about it too much. Now, your work is is fairly earnest. I would say. Are you are you like a pretty serious dude? Um, no, not really. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, you know, I guess I guess I've been a lot more aware when it comes to work as far as um, you know, you know, not just writing songs, but I and me. You know, like when I first started, I think everybody definitely falls into the first person when you're writing but uh you know i try to change that quite a bit on, on the last couple albums yeah like i've seen you a couple times uh, here in guelph and uh i can't say i'm familiar with your entire catalog but uh, are there jokes in your work like do you, do you do you write little jokes in there for yourself uh not a whole lot in the songs you know there's usually a pretty good little you know funny story that's kind of kind of you know it kind of sparked a lot of the songs and um you know i definitely you know, i try to keep things pretty light on stage too you don't want it to be a big debbie downer kind of show so uh you know, and a lot of situations, you know, that you have to deal with, you've got to laugh about. So I don't have a hard time doing that. Well, you seem like a good-natured guy, and I think if you really want to shake this blues thing, yeah, you could tell some jokes. You could be like the yeah. funny <laughs> sad guy. You'd be like the funny clown. <laughs> no, the sad what? No, the sad the sad clown. No, the sad clown. Yeah, you could be like a sad clown. That's what I meant. I just I'm not trying to give you career advice. You're doing quite well on your own, but it just seems like I get the impression that you're kind of a fun guy, but you're. Your songs are super earnest and serious in some ways. Um, yeah, I guess they, it depends on how you take it. I mean, I don't, um, I'm not trying, you know, to change anybody's mind about anything or, you know, I mean, some of the topics, especially on, uh, you know, one of the songs, I guess, on Awaitless, I think, you know, The Fight was one is probably the most serious song I've written in a long time. You know, it's, um, 
it's uh, you know all about uh, you know big money kind of destroying our you know our health you know to kind of have money kind of thing so right. you know to stick in their pockets so that's probably the most um, most serious thing we've talked about but um, you know coal mining blues too is definitely a heavy topic but um, I know I guess lots of times too you know there's, there's different things you know some things you just kind of pass off as everyday life and sometimes things take a little bit more uh, deserve a little bit more attention maybe City of Dreams I think is is, is that one of the songs you just mentioned. Ah, City of Dreams as well. Yeah, that was uh, when I went with Tom, and that was all about um, Detroit. You know, right. of, uh, that was our inspiration for that one. Detroit had just declared bankruptcy not too long before he wrote that song, and it was kind of uh, we looked up online, you know, with different things people had read about Detroit, and one was it was going to be the City of Dreams with all the money, you know, being there and that kind of stuff. So that was uh, that was kind of the blue collar hauler, I guess, as far as we were concerned. You know, I shout out to the uh, the union workers. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I mean, I think these are all totally valid things to talk about, and I'm not trying to suggest you should make an album full of joke songs, but I, I, I sometimes <laughs> wonder what people are like. When you hear your record, when I hear Waitlist, it's it's a very powerful thing, but I also wonder, you know, what's, what, is, what does Matt Anderson do for fun? That's what I think sometimes when I hear some of these songs. <laughs> what is he just, when he's kicking back and not writing these serious songs, like, what is he doing? What, what do you do for fun, Matt? Um, you know, I just, everybody else does, you know, I just hang out with my friends. You know, I don't get a whole lot of downtime, so I just try to do, uh, home stuff for when I get home. And, um, other than that, you know, I, mean, I love playing, you know, we always have lots of laughs on the road, you know, lots of laughs with the audience too. Like I said, my show is pretty, uh, as far as you know, maybe some of the song topics I share, the show is pretty lighthearted, you know, it's, I think it's a lot of fun. It's not, uh, it's not an intense show, you know, I don't try to leave people, you know, scratching their heads too much trying to figure out what just happened. I'd rather people just have a good time. Yeah, you don't seem like you're you're fairly direct that way. You're not you're not into kind of abstraction particularly. I mean, I think your songs have an artfulness to them, but they're they're fairly. You're, you're trying to like keep it relatively plain spoken on some level. Yeah, that's that's the kind of writing I enjoy the most. You know, I, I I'm totally understand that people can um, interpret songs in their own language. I'm I'm totally cool with it. That's happened with my songs a lot, but. Um, I don't really enjoy listening to music that I have no idea what I've just listened to, you know, I mean, I don't have to think about it too much or too abstract from, uh, from that, you know, I, I think of, you know, if you're writing a song, you want people to, uh, I don't think it was too cerebral, I guess. I think of songwriting and, and playing for people. I want like a conversation. You would never talk to somebody in the way some people write. I think so abstract that they really can't even enjoy listening to you. So. I appreciate that. Now, is there on that thread, is there an artist that everyone is always on you to get behind or let's get into? And you're just like, I tried it. I can't do it. I can't figure out what's going on and doesn't speak to me. Is there someone like that that's currently, you're just like, what the hell? Um, there's a there's a whole movement, really, that's kind of got me that way. The whole Mumford & Sons, Lumineers kind of stuff, I really don't, uh, doesn't really do anything for me. You know, I can appreciate that, you know, how people do, but it really doesn't, um, and I've tried, you know, it's one of the things I've really tried to get into that kind of stuff, that whole, um, I don't know, folk rock kind of thing that's kind of coming out, I guess, wherever it is, and it really just doesn't uh, just doesn't grab me in any way. Now, is that because of the co- lyrical content or just the presentation? Uh, lyrical content is, is definitely there, and um, and the arrangements of the songs, you know, it, it kind of turns... I, <laughs> my brother always called it the Wilson Phillips Syndrome. You know, all the songs start to sound the same after a while, <laughs> and especially not even within band, one band, you know, within groups, it starts to just sound like it's kind of gone the way of... Uh, Country music has, in a way, you know, it's um, the same topic, and, and you know, just a different different person wearing a cowboy hat. You know, I find a lot of that is going on. So now it's plaid shirts. Okay, the only difference in bare feet. So, I mean, that's interesting. I was asking you for like a, an example of something a little heady, a little like, you know, maybe holier than thou. But you're actually suggesting a couple of bands and a, and a movement that seems to be simplifying a, a whole kind of music. Yeah, it's simplifying to a point where it's not, 
don't know. I think they're just they're going they're playing the lowest common common denominator is kind of what it feels like to me. I guess it's just kind of not putting a whole lot of themselves into it. Feels like it to me. It does, I mean, obviously some people are really grabbing onto it and it's connecting with them. So that, it could easily just be me. But yeah, it doesn't really. Uh, Nothing there that makes me uh, want to turn it up by any means. Okay, all right. I was just curious about that. That's that's interesting. Now, you've been really diplomatic throughout our conversation about how you're perceived and what people bring to your music. You know, it's kind of up to them. I feel like there is a perception of that. I mean, you've done really well um, in sort of the Canadian folk music circuit. Uh, CBC is behind you, and these things can be double-edged swords. I think you can get pigeonholed as. Oh yeah, that's that folk festival guy. Everyone always likes that guy. The folk festivals. Oh yeah, CBC always plays the hell out of that guy. Is that stuff? Are you kind of cognizant or conscious of that or uh, that kind of stuff? Does that get to you? Um, no. I mean, there's definitely a lot of you know when people um, hear my name, I know it definitely pops up as the blues guy kind of thing. So we're trying to trying to uh, shake that off for sure. You know, but other than that, you know, I mean, the people talking about being able to hear you lots is. Um, is all good, but that's, that's one of the reasons I stay on the road so much is you know, to make sure people are, aren't, um, you know, build my fan base through playing, I think, more than uh, through outside support. You know, I've definitely had some really great things. You know, touring with the Vinyl Cafe was great. You know, Stuart put me in front of, you know, 50,000 yeah. people in one run, which is which is amazing. But, um, you know, it's also gone to the point where, you know, the first time I toured, I toured after that show, I um, played the Centerpoint Theater, you know, and then and we had a really great crowd there and then, um, you know, moved up to the NAC. And the same thing in Toronto. You know, the first time I played a gig in Toronto, I played downtown and Young and Dundas Square to a bunch of people on their lunch break, you know, eating hot dogs and salads and stuff, just walking <laughs> around. And then, uh, you know, just back in March, we sold out Massey Hall. So it's, um, it's all been through without, you know, support through radio, but it hasn't been, um, I guess I've done a lot more grassroots. I feel like, you know, I built my own audience outside of, you know, through a live show more than, uh, than through, like, you know, outside of radio and TV and that kind of stuff. No, definitely. And, you know, you're, you're getting everything you deserve. I, I can totally hear that. I guess I one of the th- sort of subtext, of subtext of my question also has to do with just being a Canadian artist. I mean, I think you've gotten a lot of support from people that want to champion you in this country, mm-hmm. but how are you finding the transition outside of Canada? You mentioned that you were mentioned in the London Times. That's pretty exciting. Uh, most Canadi- right. Canadian artists would lose their minds over that kind of coverage. How are you finding things going outside of Canada for, for you and your, in your music? Oh, the same way, you know, it's, it's, we're building up grassroots. So it's taking a lot more of uh, it takes a lot of, a uh, lot of road work, you know, a lot, a lot of hands on actually getting in front of people, but um, that's how I like how doing it too. You know, I mean, it's great, you know, in the States we're starting to get a lot of really cool opening slots, you know, opening for buddy guy and Los Lobos and, uh, Johnny Lang and that kind of stuff, which is really great to get, to, uh, get in front of people. And we're finding it's, um, Slowly building the same way I did in Canada, you know, getting some really cool spots at festivals and that kind of stuff. That uh, you know, it's it's slowly growing, but it's growing. So that that's the goal. Right. And so part of that double-edged sword that I was alluding to earlier is that sometimes as you gain a reputation outside of the country, sometimes these people that have been supporting you start to you know pull back a little bit because they you know I think part of that initial support is to get you tell everyone about you, and then when everyone knows about you there's that backlash thing that starts to happen, particularly, I think, in Canada. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I definitely think that can happen, but I think a lot of that depends on um, people really believing in it or not. You know, I think the people who really want to see you do well are going to be there when you do well and still be behind you. It's, um, you know, I guess I guess trying to think of people at home, um, like Great Big C, I guess it would be a cool example of that, you know. Hmm. Nobody at home turned their backs on Great Big C when they were, you know, filling up, you know, huge, huge arenas or anything like that. They were just this as into it almost to a point of uh, pride, I guess at that point it turns from uh, being somebody's champion to be, you know, 
kind of like, you know, being there from the beginning kind of thing. People are really um, pretty happy to be on, you know, when you're in your first destiny, you know, as you grow, I think people are there to be supportive as well, you know, just not as, as much as a introductory kind of thing to people, but more as, you know, supportive like where you're at, I guess, and I was trying to kind of explain, but... Um, yeah, no, and I, and I mean, from what I can tell, a lot of your songs are fairly universal. Some of the artists that, you know, we've, we've talked about The Hip, we've talked about Plaskett, Joel Plaskett, these are folks that have really figured out that Canada is their home, Canada is where their primary audience is, and they tend to write about Canada. Um, is that something that interests you, or are you kind of more interested in writing songs that anyone can relate to? Um, I, I found that it doesn't really matter where you write about, for the most part, but you can still have people connect to it. I mean, how many Canadians would love hearing, you know, Country Grows by John Denver? There's has absolutely no reference to Canada whatsoever, but, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, I've learned after playing that no matter how personally you feel experiences or somebody who's gone through the exact same thing, really, it seems like the world's too big for you to be the only person who's experienced anything, so, um... You know, and I love that Joel does that, you know, and a few of the tunes, we definitely, we focus on that, like Alberta Gold. Yeah. That's all about, um, you know, that's definitely a, an East Coast reference, or, you know, Canadian reference. And um, in my last day with Joel, he mentioned the St. John River, which is the river I grew up on at home. You know, that's, that's where I've got some land at home and would definitely, you know, that would be one of my uh, my solace kind of spots. So, um, yeah, no, I, I don't shy from that at all. I think if, um, you know, I think some people focus on that a little bit too hard. They wonder why a Canadian artist would write about uh, space in the States or across the ocean or something like that. But if, you know, if that's where the story takes place, I mean, Gordy Johnson wrote Paris, you know, you can't write that song about uh, Sydney River. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> sure. Okay, but you're so you're not fixated on filling some Canadian niche. You're you're hoping to to reach as wide an audience as possible. Yeah, I, I think um yeah, no, I'm not focused on just being uh, known in one place, you know. I mean, I, I'd rather be yeah, I think you can limit yourself if you start to do something like that. Right. Well, I'm glad you're aware of that because I do think that some fans sometimes don't see the long view on that, you know. They're mostly, I've had experiences where, you know, Canadian music fans are, that's it. They, they, they don't care about bands from anywhere but Canada. And I think that's, that's, that's unfortunate to close yourself yeah, off. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's a double-edged, like you say, it's really great that they support just Canadian acts at the same time. They're missing out on some really great things. It could just be, you know, 15 minutes across the border, right? Right. <laughs> or from England or from wherever. I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm a music listener that tries to go into music with a completely open mind, not simply, you know. Uh, fixated on regional or or national sort of yeah know. anyway that's just i don't know why we're talking about me i just that's what i'm talking about <laughs> and i just was curious if you have that same view you know i mean that, that, because i do think that when i talk to people about your music some people are like yeah that's just that guy who's big in canada but i i mean i, I do see your your reach is is expanding right yeah i mean it's it's i mean it's been really great in canada but it's actually to the point now where we're ready to start um you know, I've always kind of thought, too, There's no, you don't need to travel too far home when you still have a lot of work to do at home. So we've been really focusing on, you know, building the home base to have as a, you know, as, as a constant, you know, really steady and a, a good foothold here before we started stepping out too much. Yeah. Well, speaking of sort of that visioning, I suppose, what's next for you? I mean, I assume this, this record has been out a few months now. I guess it came out in, what, yeah. May? May or something? It came out in Canada in uh, February. February. Oh, I'm sorry. It's been a, a yeah. while longer. But so, well, have you already started work towards uh, new new songs, new recordings? Uh no, not yet. Nope. I've just been on the road steady. We've um, we've put about fifty thousand kilometers on the truck since January, and uh, I don't know. I've played well over a hundred shows already this year. So it's um, no, it's just been busy on the road right now. I mean, I'm definitely starting to kind of get the idea of I'd like to do some writing soon, you know. But um, 
uh, as the year looks right now, I'm booked up solid for the whole year, pretty much. You're a guy that needs to be in one place, sort of dedicated to writing to get it done? Um, I like to do it that way, yeah. I mean, I have ideas and I'm jotting down all the time and that kind of stuff, but uh, too many distractions on the road. You know, we're, we're either driving or we're playing or we're sleeping or you know, yeah. one of those three things that eats up the time, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned your, a, a truck. You're driving around in a truck? For the most part, yeah. We did uh, all the touring across the states and Canada for the first uh, five and a half months was in my truck. What kind of truck do you got? Uh, I got an F-150, just a big crew cab. You got like a, like a pickup truck, basically? Yep. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like, that's not the whole band, though. Um, no, when we do the band stuff, we either flying or not, but it was just been, uh, for the most part of the tour, for the first part of the year, first six months, I guess, has been just uh, my sound man and I. So. But you, no, I'm not trying to tell you your business, Matt, but you really need a big truck? That's got to be a gas guzzler for all those kilometers. Um. Yeah, but yeah, by the time you start throwing in CDs for a whole tour and all that kind of stuff, it, uh, it oh, wouldn't yeah. work in a Hyundai, that's for sure, right? So, and, <laughs> uh, and you never know, a big part for us, you know, touring through the States and Canada in January, February, March, and even in April, we had no idea we were going to run into weather, so uh, no, no, the truck is the way to go, for sure. All right, well, that's cool. That's good to know. And we got So we got a plug for a Ford, Ford in there, but also <laughs> a little diss to Hyundai. That was good. You got both of them in there. <laughs> that was just... That's merely a size issue. That's, I mean, I've rented them lots, and I haven't needed all. But uh, yeah, no, the truck—it's it, been great. You know, it's been—it's uh, been our uh, our little buddy for the last few months. So. All right. Well, good for you. So yeah, just road work, and then when you settle down, if and when you ever settle down, you'll start writing again. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I've got a book time off to, uh, you know, kind of you know, get my head clear, and I'll go into a cabin or just you know someplace where I don't have as many distractions. You know, get away from the work side of things for a bit, and then uh, just focus on the creative side. Now you got a bunch of people working with you on this record. I mentioned them all earlier. Uh, do you got to return some favors? Do you got to be on their records? Oh, if anybody wants me to, they're all people I'd love to play with them some. So um, yeah, or do some more writing with. And that's always, you know, it's always kind of nice to build these uh, build these relationships up. You know, it all just comes down to timing for the most part. Okay. I, I played on Tom's album. I've written with Dave before, and we've done some stuff before. A lot of the people who already are on the uh, are on the recordings. Well, good for you. No, that's good. That's good. Well, once again, Matt Anderson's new album is called Weightless. It's out now via True North Records, and he's touring music festivals across Canada in the coming weeks, including the Hillside Festival, the Calgary Folk Festival. He's playing a show at Echo Beach on July 20, uh, 31st, rather. Uh, the Newfoundland and Labrador Folk Festival, Burnaby Blues and Roots Festival. My God, lots of kilometers on this truck of yours, i got to tell you, Matt. <laughs> you got the Regina Folk Festival, the Confederation Landing Park on August 16th. That is the anniversary of Elvis's death. I don't know if you're planning to do any Elvis songs. I could do another song. I'm just throwing huh. that out there. I didn't I'm, know that. Yeah, that's that'll be the 37th anniversary, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. right. There you go. There's a little trivia for you, Matt. <laughs> Very good. And then in September, September 10th, the Harvest Jazz and Blues Festival. For more information about all these things, stubbyfingers.ca. Now, Matt, before we go, is there a song from Waitlist we can play for folks? Oh, let's play. Uh, let's do the title track, Waitlist. Waitlist. Okay. Why did that one come to mind? Um, that one's, I mean, it's the first time we start the show off with the band. It's just a really cool, um, I think it really sets the tone for the whole album really well. And, uh, you know, also it was a, it was a type of check off the album because it's kind of where I'm at career wise, you know, it was, uh, kind of putting a bit of leap in faith and just taking a step forward and, uh, you know, get out of my comfort zone a little bit. So I think that's a good one to go with. All right. No, that's cool. Here it is. This is, uh, Matt Anderson with Waitlist. So Matt, it was a pleasure speaking with you and, uh, I hope we can chat again and best of luck with everything. All right. Thanks very much.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.